Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, political enthusiast, friend lover, media person, and I am just so psyched to be having this conversation with my girls. Plural. Girls, plural. I'm Terry Nellowitz, House Representative from Cobb County, and I'm really happy we're here today. And I am Jen Jordan. State Center Emeritus. That sounds better, right? It does. Yeah, you can put that on your license plate. Emeritus. It sounds really learned or something. (laughs) And uh, and I'm just happy to be here. Well, it's been a minute since Jen has been here. You've been talked about a lot. I know you've listened to every episode in your absence. Like on repeat. (laughs) Like I get in the shower and I'm like, all I want to do is listen to Mara and Terry. We're mellifluous. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? It means our voices are just like honey dripping. (laughs) All right. right. What did you get on your SAT? We're not even going to talk about it. Not that great. (gasps) Wow. Well, because of the math part. Okay. Really well on verbal. Okay. So, Jen, what have you been doing the past couple of months? So, I've been cleaning my house. I have been redecorating. I have been writing a little bit and trying to come up with some plans. And um, really, it feels good. It feels... You know, what's interesting, and and I know y'all know this, is especially when you come out of college and then if you go to professional school, you know, you go straight into working and having children and you don't really feel like you have a lot of leeway just to make some real intentional decisions, Mm -hmm. like to step back and say, well, what do I want to do? As opposed to, okay, this is what I have to do. And so it's really been a good time because of that. I mean, and I've slept a lot. Um... (laughs) And I really like sleep, I've decided. It's amazing. All right, let's go to our first topic, which is the one that everybody seems to be talking about, and that is Buckhead City. That was voted against in the State House as we were sitting here recording on Friday. Uh, What do you ladies make of all of that? Well, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I feel like the last... I mean, the last years of my service were really focused on trying to upend that effort because it was just going to be so bad for the city, but also for the for the community of Buckhead. And they were really being sold a bill of goods by Bill White. And so I'm glad that cooler heads have prevailed. I think we all thought this would happen if we could just get it through and stop it during an election year, because really that's what was behind it, kind of the the election year politics right. and you know, we're going to make you look this way or we're going to give you money or we're not going to give you money. So I'm just glad that um, at least for the next two years, it's it's been put to bed. Well, and that was a bill that really the ramifications were going to be way outside of the city of Atlanta and the Buckhead community and Fulton County. I mean, that was a decision where having for municipal bonds, which I know is like the least sexy thing and Mary doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want to talk about boring things, but, but, just say, but I know that's a big part a, of it. It's a really big deal and it would hurt cities. Like every city in the state now would have a really hard time getting municipal bonds. And we hear a lot about our, you know, all of our leaders and business leaders and government leaders talk about how great it is that Georgia has a AAA bond rating. All of that would be completely undermined and destabilized because the bonds wouldn't mean anything anymore. Well, not only that, but how ridiculous was it that they were going to pay the mayor like over oh. $200,000, right? Absurd. You, you knew exactly what they were trying to do. I mean, that was enough to make me think very hard about moving just right back into Buckhead across the line 
because we know that the Buckhead area really is a Democratic area. I mean, it's my state Senate district. So it would have been a Democratic mayor. And and maybe that was one of the arguments that kind of pushed some of the people against it. Right, they realized realized it. I I think it's, you know, it's just... Is it a blessing or a curse that it was discussed? And for those, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening understands they wanted to make Buckhead its own city, and this has been going on for a couple of years, and it just feels like like it's so there's so much discomfort with it because I feel like it's it's kind of a to- the leader of it, Bill White, is super toxic. Mm-hmm. They, he's he's put out a lot of racist anti anti Semitic. I mean, uh, I mean, his uh, name propaganda. is propaganda. His name is Bill White, yeah. right? Yeah, and he actually, you know, really kind of just took the whole successionist kind of Mm -hmm. mentality and ran with it. I mean, instead of saying, oh, no, that's not what this is really about. I mean, that was part of his branding. No, he leaned in. Yeah, that that was the whole thing. Leaned in, leaned over, and fell over. I mean, the guy. I mean, it's crazy. He he said horrible things about people. He did not play for someone who was very involved in politics. He was really terrible at politics. And so he turned off a lot of folks and, you know— said things that totally killed his chances in the House last year. I mean, it, 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 he he made it clear what his motives were. He made it clear that he, I don't know. He, well, I liked, he, he was quieter this time, which I, but the bill itself was so absurd. And they probably told him aside, like, listen, dude, you need to shut up. Yeah. Like, you can't say anything. They kept him quiet. I mean, I know he was, like, loud on social media or whatever, but I am just, I will tell you what, I will not forget the businesses, the restaurant groups, the individuals who had those signs in front of their houses and or in front of their businesses because it does say a lot about you if you endorse that. Well, it says you're bad at math. It says a lot of things about you. (laughs) Well, look, from my perspective, anybody who had the Buckhead sign in their yard um, generally paired it with the Trump sign. Yeah, Um, right. So that was very clear that kind of the Marjorie Taylor Greene kind of sentiment, um, the Bill Whites of the world, the Trumps of the world, those were the people that were really pushing this, grifting, and and trying to take advantage of um, a really difficult time that we've had in the city and the state with respect to crime. And so... Um, I'm just glad that cooler heads have prevailed, and um, it's time for the adults to to really get to work. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, listen, when this story is getting on Tucker Carlson, oh my God, I mean, I would play a clip from that, but I don't want to give it the time. But in in his little rant, which I could barely get through, it was just so really talking about how just especially these lawmakers who are at, at miles outside of the Atlanta area, the people who were proposing it, but Tucker Carlson saying that Buckhead is the biggest economy of the city of Atlanta. Well, we know that they don't play in the truth pond if if for no other reason because of the Dominion lawsuit. Well, we're going to get to that later uh, in the podcast. So, okay, so that's done. Terry, you have been like a lot of what's like, what's going on under the gold dome? What have been some of the highlights, lowlights? Jen, do you have FOMO? Let's discuss. Oh, that's a good question about the FOMO because it's Jen knows it's a slog and it is really a slog right now. We are in, I mean, I was in a committee meeting for about three and a half hours this morning. I have a committee meeting, you know, starting at 8 a.m. on Monday. Then we go into cross every day. The house usually goes till midnight, sometimes past midnight on cross every day. It's, I, it's you should Jen see just Jen's a making a face. It's, it, is, it, is, it is a slog right now. It is not glamorous. And what I think, I think would be interesting to a lot of people is that the issues that are causing some of the most consternation and the most contentious issues right now 
probably aren't what people think they are. Like there aren't any abortion bills that are moving right now. There are some election bills that are onerous, um, but you know that still have to pass. You know, different chambers because they're they're receiving a lot of scrutiny. But the bills that are actually taking up the most time and that are causing the most um, division and that actually have bipartisan opposition and bipartisan support. It's actually two big issues. One of them is truck weights, which again, not sexy, uh, but it is, it is an issue that brings together people of all, of all stripes, both for and again. Truck weights, what? Like, like truck weigh station? No, like how much, how, how heavy can your logging trucks be? How heavy can your chickens, chicken trucks be? And what does it mean for engineering? Again, this is like not sexy. What does it mean for engineering? I'm actually into this. I'm actually, tell me more. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll try to make this really quick. Yeah, so, briefly. Yeah, so there's always been a weight limit for, for trucks because roads and bridges are engineered to handle certain capacities. Uh-huh. And a lot of heavy, like heavy logging trucks, heavy chicken trucks, heavy whatever trucks cannot go on the federal inter- interstate system. So they're restricted to state highways and often county and local roads. And so when you allow super, super heavy trucks to go on there that these roads aren't engineered for, it really accelerates the deterioration of the road, which means that cities and counties in the state of Georgia have to spend a lot more money a lot sooner than they thought they would have to keep these roads and bridges. Is that why we have so many potholes? I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of reasons. You should call your city council person about that. Um, But yeah, so truck weights and like a lot of industries are for it. Forestry, of course, is for it. Agriculture is for it. Yeah, of course they're for it. Um, But the cities and counties and also the railroads, because one of my other things I've been talking about is we've invested a lot, and again, not sexy, we've been investing a lot of time and money in discussing freight and logistics and talking about how we're going to propel freight and logistics. We've got the Port of Savannah. How are we going to get all of these goods to where they need to be in the state and then else, you know, then beyond the state? Because we we don't want to have a bunch of trucks on I-16. We don't want to have a bunch of trucks on 75 or 285. So we're trying to get trucks off. So, but this would be a financial disincentive. Anyway, it's for people to use, it would be cheaper to use trucks now than rail. It's a whole, there's a lot. Anyway, big issue, truck weights. The other big issue is housing design standards. <laughs> Again, <laughs> okay, I don't care. This is, this. yeah, no, and, and no, but it's, it's that's, that's a time suck. But the, tr- the trucking is interesting though, it's, because it's, you do is. have to think that like, look, you've got to get your, your, your stuff from point A to point B and how is it getting there? Yeah, yeah. but there's a real safety issue and maybe it's because- no, there I, is a real I safety issue. In South Georgia and there are nightmare stories. I mean, anybody who lives in South Georgia has a story or knows someone or is probably kin to somebody where like, one of the logs come off the logging truck, mm-hmm. yeah. come mm-hmm. through the windshield mm-hmm. and kill somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah. So why in the world are we going to make it where, it, of course, it's going to be a lot less safe. And so really the focus seems to be just kind of on, you know, industry versus industry, right? It's like, oh, we're, you know, we, we log and we want them to, to get on the trucks. And then you've got the train, Norfolk Southern saying, no, we want da-da-da. It's the business to business, and this is always the issue down at the General Assembly. Nobody is thinking about the consumer or the individual who's on the road behind these trucks. Right, and that's one of the things we've talked about because, so these guys have been able to have heavier trucks on the road the past three years because during the pandemic when everybody, you know- Needed the stuff quick. Needed stuff quick and workforce issues, and so- And there weren't a lot of people on the road either. No, there weren't a lot of people on the road. This This is where it's gonna get interesting. So the governor- allowed, you know, basically gave like an exemption during the pandemic. And that is is ending because of course we're, you know, the pandemic is over in terms of 
government regulations sure, right now. Sure. And and so these industries want these changes that we had during the pandemic to be permanent. Well, here's the thing. Over the past three years, these truck fatality, the truck fatality rate has increased in Georgia. Mm. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? Imagine. Jerry? I know. It's so wild. So, and there were, I think last year, more than 74,000 safety citations issued by the wow. Georgia Motor Carrier Compliance Division, D- Division of the Georgia State Patrol. So, yeah. It's safety is an issue. I'll be talking about that if this bill makes it to the floor. I am glad you brought this up because I don't know about you guys when I'm on the road like an I-16 and there's like a logging truck and you know how they have like one little like flag dangling off the thing and I'm and like- And it's like, like two feet away from you. Yeah. Like, like this fear to come through your- Yeah. That's no. really scary. Okay. So we'll keep our eye on that. That's, wow, that's great. Like these, wow. But you know what was interesting to me and you know how we talk about regulations and laws and everybody's like, oh, it's awful. Why are we regulating? Da-da. And then we have like a train accident like we did, right? Mm-hmm. Like in Tennessee. In, in Ohio. Ohio, right. Yeah. And Well, there was one in Tennessee a few years ago too. Okay. Marysville. Okay. Well, anyway, sorry, y'all. I'm still a little bit out of it. But, but the deal is we have to remember that laws or regulations go into place usually in response to something for bad, sure. Something really bad that's happened, i.e. people dying. Well, yeah. look at the distracted driving law. Right. The nurses on I-16 who were rear-ended by a truck with a distracted driver. Mm. Mm. So that's just it. So years from now, somebody may come back and say, oh, this distracted driving law, this is just over-regulation, you know? And it's like, no, everybody seems to forget that, that these things don't necessarily just happen willy-nilly, that they really are motivated Mm-hmm. Um, usually by tragedy. Well, you know, it's there's so much freedom, freedom, freedom until it comes to <laughs> women's health care, then there's no yeah. freedom. Or drag shows. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about the Fulton County DA because, <sighs> um, you know, that happened. And so I, I, when this juror who was actually interviewed by Jen, right? Oh, not interviewed. She um, questioned me. Emily Kors. Oh, yeah, because you were called in. Yeah. So she was the four woman? So you you don't know at the time that they're the four people, but she was the four woman. Okay. So uh, Jen, who did... Now, you can, you can say you testified on that, right? That's, oh, yeah. That's public. Yeah. Um, so you know from Judge McBurney, feeling the McBurn, what you can say and what you can't say. And this, they kind of came out with that report uh, where they redacted a bunch of stuff, but they put out a couple of pages on it. And, and now this woman came out and had a lot to say. And um, let's take a listen to what she said. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. So it sounds like that was ultimately <laughs> a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how it ended up. Was that, and I'd be fascinated by what he said, but do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking or just the same kind of thing we've heard? So at some point you don't need to hear 50 people say the same thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? At some point, you kind of start to get the gist. 
And that was uh, Ms. Gorse on uh, MSNBC. Uh, she did a real media tour after being uh, part of the special grand jury. And as soon as I heard about this, I texted uh, Jen immediately. And I was like, why would she do this? Yeah. Why would anybody do this? What is... Uh, and I was even mentioned on the Politically Georgia podcast as Mara Davis, Greg Bluestein. Come on now. Do better, Greg. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so be best. Why would she go on a PR tour? Jen, what are your thoughts? Look, I think she's young. I think that, you know, she was in the middle of what is literally the biggest story in the world, right? And couldn't say anything for weeks and weeks and weeks. And um, is really part of that social media generation. And so for her, you know, having MSNBC call you, having these big outlets call you and want to talk to you, I mean, that's got to be a little, you know, that's a yeah. little heady for a young person. And, you know, look, I don't think she should have done it, but she didn't break the law. She didn't break any rules. And she sh she definitely didn't affect the actual prosecution because she didn't say anything um, that, that, any of us didn't know about right. in the first place. Well, and this grand jury doesn't do the indictments. Right. So, so she's not, it's not she's, even she's done. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's done. done. Well, just here's one more. Indictments recommended, of course. Is it yes. more than 12 people? Is it more than 20 people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Allow for spacing. It's not a short list. Not a short list. <laughs> how how come no one ever said to her, like either one of the the judge, you know, the judge or a, an attorney, like, hey, your life might be about to get a little crazy. Here's some advice. Or maybe to, like she needed like a media professional. She needed to call me. Yes. And she I would have coached her. Oh my God, yes. And I it just, I don't know. It was very, very frustrating because then all of a sudden, uh, you know, in the next days, then you had Trump's lawyer who interestingly enough is like the rap lawyer. He represents all the hip hop guys and talking about how this is, you know, whatever they're going to, and they didn't end up filing any suits or anything or of doing course any, not. Yeah, I mean, no. just, it's all showboating, right? right? They're doing exactly what they're, accusing Emily of doing, right. right? Like they're out there trying to inject a kernel of suspicion or doubt into the actual investigation. And yeah. so from my perspective, sometimes, you know, really what they say could, could be even worse because they know oh. that what they're trying to do, they're trying to impact what a possible grand jury or, or possible trial jurors um, how they may feel ultimately about the charges. And I think that's why you've got to be just super, super careful if you're an attorney. I think Emily was probably told, along with the other grand jurors, not right. to do stuff. But ultimately, you know, the DA, the judge, none of them really had any control because she stayed within the guardrails. And she did. it is a free country. Man, it was crazy. Well, she was even parodied on Saturday Night Live. Do you want to hear a little bit of that? Yeah, that's when you know you've yeah. made it. Surprise guest for you today. You've seen it blabbing all over TV this week. It's the foreman of the Georgia Grand Jury investigating me, Miss Emily Coors. <laughs> oh my God, this is so cool. First Giuliani and now you. Good day, <laughs> She's an odd duck, but we like her. She's either seven or 40, we can't tell. <laughs> That's true. That's, yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> she I, looked 12 to me and when I met her in person. 
And I just can't imagine she really appreciated the level of what she was opening herself up to. Yeah, I mean, also security issues. I mean, people probably trying to find out where she lives, looking up all her social media. My guess that's going to be the bigger issue with this. She's Mm -hmm. gotten a lot of blowback and criticism just from talking heads and stuff. Yeah. But really, as someone who's been the subject of some of these threats before around Trump, um, that is the real issue for her. She's a young woman. They know who she is. They know what she looks like and, and, and really probably where she lives. And so she needs just to be careful because of that. All right. When do you think they're going to come out with um, any recommendations for indictment? I mean, how long do you think that's going to be, Jen? I don't think they're going to do it until after session. Just because of budget and Uh, political issues. Yeah, budget. Well, someone said to me, they're like, you know, is this really even that big of a deal? I mean, you know, well, so what if a bunch of low level politicos are indicted? I was like, "Mm, do you think that being elected statewide is low level? Because I don't. I mean, hypothetically, one of the people could be the fake electors, which include the sitting lieutenant governor. Yeah. Right. Uh, So let's not forget that's one of our favorite things that you missed while you've been gone for a couple of months is anytime. We mentioned Burt Jones. We have to remind you that he is a fake elector. I thought you were going to say every time you mention him, you have to drink or something. Well, I was like, well. Fake elector. Like dr- elector shots or drink. what are you talking about? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because like they're just making recommendations and then uh, D.A. Willis goes ahead and decides what she's going to do. Yeah, so what what's going to happen for anybody who's listening is that there will be an indictment, right? And that will be released Um, And after that indictment, I think the whole report will be released. I don't think the report will be released and then there'll be something that happens um, because it does have to go back to a regular grand jury and be presented by the district attorney. And and that's where we're going to get the charges with respect, you know, whomever Emily at all in the the special grand jury wanted, the regular grand jury may say yes or no. They may go further. They you know, they may not accept the recommendations. But ultimately, this is going to have to be presented to a regular grand jury. The indictment will come from there. And then after that, I think we'll see the recommendations. And it is a RICO case. So there's, you know, there there are outside attorneys involved who who specialize in this area. And that's going to play a part of it also. Yeah. I mean, you know, John Floyd with Bondurant, Mixon, and Elmore, Mm -hmm. he's, um, I used to work with him and he's just a bulldog when it comes to this. I mean, he was one of the ones that helped craft the RICO case in the Atlanta cheating scandal. That's right, with Fonnie Willis. And he's he's that's right. He's brilliant. And, and she's up for re-election though, right? In 2024, right? She is. So is she gonna run for that again or something else, you think? Oh, I think she'll I mean, I think she, my sense from her is that she is a quintessential prosecutor. Um, you know, there are some lawyers who you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. But everything that I've seen from her, she seems mm-hmm. to be totally cut out of the cloth as a prosecutor. And so I think she'll continue as, or or would hopefully, um, in her mind, you know, run for re-election, hopefully continue as the district attorney for Fulton County. Okay. All right, well, we're, we're going to keep our eye on. But Emily, I mean, my gosh, I mean, I don't know. I hope, she, I hope she'll have a quieter weekend. I, ho- I mean, I think it's because so people, you know, it's, you know how the news cycles are. Everybody, oh, yeah. everybody forgets. Okay, Definitely want to talk about um, the University of Georgia, and there have been a series of events there. I know, uh, Jen, you are a proud Georgia Bulldog. I know, Terry, you are a Scotty, mm-hmm. uh, but um, Agnes Scotty. Yeah, not a lot of football happening, <laughs> happening in Decatur. 
I was going to say something really inappropriate, but I'm just going <laughs> to not. This is a family podcast. So um, obviously they won the championship and there was that tragic car accident and a lot of events have unfolded. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So for folks who don't maybe remember, because what's interesting is when the accident happened, there was a little bit of press around it, but then it's been oddly quiet, right? Mm -hmm. There hasn't been the fanfare you would expect. And so just to kind of uh, revisit, I think it was the night of the Parade. Um, it was, it was the, the parade. after the parade. It was yes. the night of the parade. Yes. Right. And so at some point late at night, um, one of the trainers or one of the, the young women who worked with the football team in the athletic department was driving a vehicle with other players in it. Um, she was going very fast. People at the time didn't know, you know, if there was alcohol involved or not and all this stuff. Um, and she crashed. She was killed. And an, one other person was killed in the wreck. Correct, Terry? Yes, yes, a player was killed. So there were two of these athletic department staffers, two young women, and then there were two players. Okay. So one player was killed. One of the players was killed. Right. And the driver was killed, the young woman. Um, so recently what we've learned is that Jalen Carter was driving another car and was, there are allegations that they were racing, basically street racing, drag racing, um, and, you know, with each other and that that was involved or implicated in the crash that killed these two people. And um, and Carter left the scene, too. Yeah. And, and it's to note that he is the star player. He was, like, top NFL draft, NFL draft pick. Number one draft yeah. pick. Uh, and there's also up. been coverage about... There have been other, the AJC has actually really been relentless on the story, and they've taken a lot of heat for it, and they've even published things like, like this is why we're following this story. And I think they're right to be following this story. But there was some other stuff happening with, like, Maybe not fixer is not the right word, but like the UGA athletic department had a guy who would come to the scene anytime there was an incident and that guy comes and, you know, there, there are other things that have happened that happened at the scene. So I think this revelation that Jalen Carter had left the scene and then came back about an hour and a half later, that's a, it's a big deal, especially given other context. Well, in, in the role of alcohol, possibly leaving the scene, especially when there's been one death or two deaths. I mean, it is all kinds of bad, right? So what we've learned recently is that he has been charged, and but he's been charged with misdemeanors, which caught my attention mm -hmm. because I was like, what is this about, right? And because last year's Terry knows, yep. um, the, the General Assembly passed, and one of the, the big things that the governor, Governor Kemp, was pushing as part of his re-election thing was to pass this law that specifically dealt with street racing and drag racing. And um, and it's a felony. It's a felony if you're drag racing, street racing, and someone dies or gets hurt. And so the idea that we've got the Athens police that are just charging him with a misdemeanor, right? right when two people died, he left the scene, right? We know all of these things. And so the... The question is, is he getting differential treatment here because of who he is in terms of being a football player? Yeah, because it's becoming increasingly clear that this was probably a street racing kind of thing happening. Well, that's what the, the police said that the evidence shows that they were going, you know, you can, whatever video or whatever information they have, going back and forth, changing lanes, all the kind of indicia that they were racing each other, these two cars. 
Well, I, I don't feel like I, we haven't heard that much about these points that you're bringing up as far as the street racing laws. And I, I mean, has that been talked about at all? Or are you just kind of bringing this to the surface? I mean, it's something that occurred to me when I saw that this might have been street racing. I'm like, wait, we passed a bill that increased penalties and things. And, and I, it didn't really, so it's, reckless driving has always been illegal. And so, and a lot of us, like, and I, I voted against this when it was in the House because, like, we tend to do a lot of bills that are, like, statement bills and messaging bills, but they just make things illegal that are already illegal. And, we, you know, we had a bill like that in the House this week having to do with, with arson. It's like, it's already illegal to burn somebody's car. Do we need a different law if it's a police car? Because it's already illegal. Right, you know, right. Things like, so oh. this, and so... Well, we all know the motivation with that, Yeah, right? but yeah. the reality is that this street racing law that, that did pass... It is a felony if somebody dies with, and with, <laughs> with this is the biggest yes. thing, especially talking about the number one draft pick in the country and the fact that everybody thought he would be drafted this upcoming year mm-hmm. and leave UGA. They have mandatory minimums in this bill, which yep. are, are normally I am and Terry and I voted against this bill right. sp- specifically because of the mandatory minimums because it takes away all kind of the discretion around making a determination right, for about, the judge, right? whether somebody should go to jail or not. And so the mandatory minimum is one year in prison to 15 years. So the minimum, the minimum time, a year in prison if he was convicted of this. So the fact that he's not even being charged, even though clearly based on the facts that we know as the public, he, he should be. Based pr- on this new law that we passed? Uh, and especially we have two deaths here. Right. And so that we need to be... We, well, let's not forget about the two people that died. And this is That's just right. so tragic. There's so much to this. And I think we do need to keep talking about this because this bill last year, and we all know that, look, street racing is bad. Um, I have, I've had it in my neighborhood. I live in the city of Atlanta. I know a lot of people who have been affected by it. But, you know, uh, this is really, really dicey as far as not— I just go to the how sad it is. They were having the night of their lives. Oh, yeah. Parade. You're walking on air. These athletes are so pampered. They're just giving, they're like kings. And I think that, I, I wonder like what, it's, I'm not trying to point fingers or lay blame, but I wonder where the leadership is in managing these athletes and saying, you're not invincible. You can get in trouble. And look at what has happened here. It like is doing something like this really worth it. Um, it's it's a horrible tragedy. Well, it is. And it's one of those things too, where people need to understand when laws are passed, they have consequences, right? Mm-hmm. There are real life consequences for mandatory minimums or, or, or for people who get caught up in something bad, you know, maybe made a bad judgment call. And then all of a sudden there is no discretion to make a determination and it can ruin a kid's life. And so like this part of me that's like, oh man, you know, this is the whole reason why I'm not for it, right? Because right. there needs to be a determination one way or totally. the other, right. right? But at the same time, if there is a law on the books that's been passed and you have all of these Republicans and the governor saying, you know, we're tough and we're going to go after everybody and look what we did, folks, to keep you safe, you don't get exempted just because you're a good football player. That's not the way the law is supposed to no, work. No, that's exactly right. And if you're playing along at home, it was... House Bill 534 from the 20, 
you know, the 2021-2022 regular session. And this bill went into effect the day it was signed by the governor. Go dogs, May 3rd, 2021. And so, and that's the thing. If, you, if you've got this bill and if this is, you know, it's, and it's been reported as street racing, if it is indeed street racing, this is the bill that sets the parameters under which this kid should be prosecuted and is, and is required to be prosecuted. Well, and it, you know, some of the stories I read indicate he's had a problem in the past with, with reckless driving and with, with driving too fast. I mean, there is some um, video, you know, dash cam video of him being pulled over by an Athens cop who basically was like, man, you have, you, you need to go tell your other football players y'all are driving too fast. Um, and basically, I'm going to, I'm going to just give you a ticket for, for speeding today. Mm-hmm. But wink, wink, nod, nod. You need to understand this is serious. You, you know, text your, text your football buddies. So clearly there is something systemic over there. I mean, if you have it on dash cam video with this particular player and some cop that's pulled him over, I mean, this is a real problem. And if he just gets a slap on the wrist and it's a misdemeanor when there are two people that are dead, that's that's... That's a problem. Well, and I think this is systemic in a way that with all college athletics at that high level, these players are empowered and pampered, and it's a problem. Well, and and they're children, and they're, you know— they are, yeah. you know, they are, they are Your children. They're just a couple fully formed. No, they're just a couple of years older than our kids, and you know, they they don't have the advantage. I mean, they they are relying on people who they trust, just like any kid is going to rely on the people they trust. And the people they trust, I would imagine, are their coaches, their athletic directors. You know, these grownups who have been surrounding them, they're all, you know, the coaches their entire lives who have been preparing them for this this football, you know, football career, whether it's in college or in the NFL. These are the grownups they trust. And if these grownups they trust are not demanding more, not demanding that they, you know, slow down. I mean, it's, they're doing these kids such a a disservice and it's a life altering disservice when you have a tragedy like this. Yeah. It's just, there's so much of it that makes me sad. It's the, it's just, it's just awful. But I'm really glad that both of you brought this up because I think we need to keep talking about this because you can't have it both ways. Well, and that's just it. It's, I, in some ways, it makes me sad to bring yeah, it up. Yeah, because right. I I don't like the bill. Really thought it was bad policy, but I think that this shows exactly why it is bad policy. And at the end of the day, if you're behind something, you pass this, you think it's you know good, then then again, you can't pick and choose in terms of of who you want to apply it to and who you don't. That's right. Okay, so moving on. Um, the one thing that, you know, of course, that's never going to stop being <laughs> talked about is guns and gun laws, and nobody can solve these problems. So instead of uh, coming up with gun laws, uh, what are people doing? Uh, people are uh, passing all these anti-trans and anti-LBGTQ uh, plus laws. Now, I want to play you a clip, both of you, because this clip really has, it's gone viral today. And, you know, John Stewart has just proven to be the most extraordinary interviewer. Uh, I think he's brilliant and I think he has no fear. So this is a state senator, Nathan Dom from Oklahoma, and he is very against gun control. He's pro Second Amendment um, and, uh, of course, is behind, uh, wants to ban drag shows. And this is just... uh, it's a, it's a long-form interview that Stewart does with him, but 
Uh, just take a listen. I want your thoughts. Even rights have responsibilities, and that within those responsibilities, responsibilities, are responsibilities yes. and order. Otherwise, it's chaotic. I'll go you one further. You want to ban drag show readings to children? To my eyes, yes. Why? Why, why? What are you protecting? Why can we prohibit children from voting, those under 18 from voting? Why are you banning, that? Is, is that free speech? Are you infringing on that performer's free speech? They can continue to exercise their free speech, just not in front of a child. Why? Because the government does have a responsibility to protect. I'm sorry? The government does have a responsibility uh -huh. in certain instances to What's protect children. What's the leading cause of death amongst children in this country? And I'm gonna give you a hint. It's not drag show readings to children. Correct, yes. So what is it? I'm presuming you're gonna say it's firearms. No, I'm not gonna say it like it's an opinion. That's what it is. It's firearms, more than cancer, more than car accidents. And what you're telling me is, you don't mind infringing free speech to protect children from this amorphous thing that you think of. But when it comes to children that have died, you don't give a flying fuck to stop that because that shall not be infringed. That is hypocrisy at its highest order. So what do you think? Yeah, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I mean, look, it, mm -hmm. is, it is really yeah. about pulling. I mean, that is, that is what you love to see a lawyer do on the stand yeah. with somebody mm -hmm. is to set them up and, and you're, you're bringing them down the rosy path because you're bringing them to a conclusion um, that they're, they're not seeing. Um, but that's what makes your point, right? Um, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking at the technical aspects of the questioning, but he's right. It's such hypocrisy. Yep. No, it is. I mean, you're saying like, well, we have to keep children safe. But we do. Well, what are they most at risk of? Right. Right? I'm curious. Uh, let me question the both of you as far as like campaigning and poll numbers and popularity and all of that. The Republicans have seemed to really fixate on these tr on tr uh, uh, trans laws. Mm -hmm. And now drag out of nowhere. Tennessee has now banned drag entertainment and the governor is, is likely to sign that. Which is crazy because like, that's a whole thing. In Nashville, like... Oh, yeah. They have all those, like, drag yes. things that, that go down Broadway yeah. and all that stuff. So, drag brunch and drag bingo and... Um, hello, does anybody remember Lady Chablis down in Savannah? <laughs> yes. I mean, huge. Huge. So, I, I just... I'm just curious, like, why do they think this is going to rile up the base so much? I think because the polling indicates yeah, there, that. Yeah, there's 100% polling. Same thing with the, with the sports teams. It is not an actual problem anyone's trying to solve. Nobody, you know, no, there's actually medical evidence to affirm that, you know, there, trans kids don't have any kind of sports advantage. I wanted to say to some of my colleagues, like, maybe your kid's just not that great at sports if you're that worried that they're going to lose the spot on their team to somebody. But like, it's not happening. It's not a thing. And but, they're but, making it a thing because it polls. But also, because it's not a thing, it's something that people aren't familiar with. And so mm -hmm. they're, when, when you don't know and you don't know a trans kid or mm -hmm. you don't have any experience with that, it is easier to listen to kind of these boogeyman stories and um, because you just don't know it. And I can tell you that the polling shows, even with respect to African-American men, for example, it's, it's an issue. Usually, you know, black voters tend to be more socially conservative anyway in the South, right? The trans thing is 
it is something that really does with African American men. It it is an issue for them, even even though they don't they they have no clue. But it, it's one of those things that people who even say they're Democrats, you know, really have have an issue when it comes to some of these issues. Yeah, and I bet they're not just polling Republicans when they do these polls on yeah. these issues. And so they, it's everything they do is very strategic. It's very calculated, all the phrasing, the messaging. And yeah, it it pulls. And you're, it's the other. It's like satanic panic, you know, 30 years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, that just... 40 years ago, but that's, really. that segment with, I mean, you know, as far as like, I just don't understand, let's get... The, and if you listen to the the full... And that's on the problem with Jon Stewart mm-hmm. and Apple TV. And they release it on social media so you don't have to subscribe to it and you can just watch it. But he's just going through about all the reasons why we should have more guns and more guns keeps more people safe. And it's just – but they're making laws because of drag shows. It's to keep kids safe. So it's just absolute insanity. But you say it enough times and people will believe it, Right. Well, you start to think that that's, that somebody's coming for your kid, that somebody's coming for right. your values, somebody's coming for your gun, somebody's coming, like all of the things. And, and look, in a state politically that is as close as we are, right, when you are needing to peel off a certain segment tiny, of voters, yeah, just a tiny, tiny sliver, right? you know, 2% here, 2% there to, you know, to get you over the line, this kind of stuff clearly is effective. And there was a reason why there was such a push in last year's session right. ahead of the election to, to really focus on this, this, these trans issues that really, is, it's not a problem, but it's one of those things that these are children, right? Yeah, 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 these yeah. are children. And that's, and that feels icky, right? But they're not, Terry, you said that they're, they're not like super fired up about that this year. Or they were, there and are, it's been tabled. There are factions of people who are, no, there was a bill in the Senate the other day that in the Senate committee was, yeah, of course there was in the Senate committee, but, but they voted to table it. Okay. There are other bills that have been dropped that are not getting hearings because I'm on one of the committees that would hear those bills and we're getting a lot of, not a lot, but you know. A chunk of a chunk here and there of emails from people who want these bills to be heard. What's fascinating to me, though, this is what's fascinating to me, is that there are all these unintended consequences too. What I try to do is when I look at legislation, I try to take my emotional self out of it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, what are they trying to do, and then what are the implications of this, even beyond what they're trying to do? And so, most of the bills that are out there with respect to to, to trying to control transgender issues or trying to control what. Um, medical decisions can be made, all that kind of stuff. Really, if you read them and they're neutral on their face, right, they could apply to giving um, a young a young boy um, with endocrine issues growth hormones, right? right? They could apply to letting a young woman get breast augmentation or having, um, you know, having a breast reduction right. for, from a health perspective, right? And so it's one of those things when you start mucking about in areas that you don't know anything about, which is medicine, I mean, there are going to be real, um, you know, in detrimental consequences. And the doctor, the physicians, the pediatricians specifically have been powerful, powerful allies and voices on these issues because they do, they bring, and even if they're not talking committee, they're having these quiet conversations with these lawmakers who are on these committees saying, look, Maybe in maybe in Georgia. Maybe like this is what you might be hearing, but this is, yeah, and this is this is what this will actually mean, and these are the real consequences for for actual young people. It's because in these other states, like Arkansas, like Mississippi, 
like Alabama, um, this stuff is going through. So I think Georgia, maybe you having, you're having some voice. Like I know that, you know, we talked about the Buckhead thing earlier and that that's been talked about like, Hey, these consequences are like, you're going to make Buckhead a city. It's a democratic city. So, and that leads to what, what Georgia has that a lot of these, the other states you mentioned don't have is we have Atlanta. And because we have Atlanta, we have a preponderance of really excellent physicians here. We have Emory. I mean, in Atlanta alone, you've got two medical schools, Emory and Morehouse that are highly regarded. And so I think that has a lot to, I mean, yeah, you have some amazing physicians in Mississippi, you know, but you don't have that concentration of them the way you do here. And I think that that may have something to do with how they're communicating in Georgia also. Well, and also our, our GDP is, I mean, yeah, the state of Georgia cannot be compared to some of the other um, Southern states Mm -hmm. because of, we are just such a much bigger international player when it comes to business and commerce. And so, you know, they play around in the pool and, and they're, you know, they're not progressing as, as right. states, right? It's like, well, let's, Georgia, we're only a little crazy. Our economic development, <laughs> like, like for big economic development deals, we're not necessarily competing with other, like we're not competing with Mississippi the same way we're competing with maybe like Germany. Right. So what's funny is right. maybe Georgia should be Georgia where business is king and the elected officials are crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. No, right. Mean, that's what I mean. It's like, really a little crazy. Okay. Um, I want to get on to our next topic, and that is speaking of like, misinformation, um, which is what, you know, the root of that conversation was, because people who are afraid of trans people or drag shows are clearly don't know the whole story, and they're not willing to sit down and listen. And that's really the sad part of it. And that is because so many people are brainwashed, and we have this uh, now that we have our expert attorney uh, back with us, um, this Fox News Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit. And this is really fascinating to me because First Amendment defamation cases, from what I understand, they're very, very hard to win, like almost impossible to win. So let's set it up for folks because there is a difference between um, when you sue a media outlet okay. for defamation. So the U.S. Supreme Court established in a case, I think it was in the 60s, um, New York Times versus Sullivan. And that really set kind of the bar for when you go after um, a a media company or a newspaper or a journalist or anything. And it's higher, right? And you have to show basically some level of malice or knowledge. It can't just be, yeah, I repeated this and I just didn't know. Or I didn't right? know and I didn't like it. Or, right, yeah, whatever right. it is. It's right. not a judgment. It's right. not anything like that. Okay. It has to be, you yep. have to very clearly show that people knew it was false. Um, they knew it was harmful and they intended to do it anyway, right? And I can tell you that during the um, hearings that we were involved in with Giuliani, I kept thinking because I felt defamed a couple of times by people when they got up there and said stuff that wasn't true one of the biggest issues is who do you go after, right? Because ultimately, you know, an individual who's saying stuff um, doesn't, it's judgment proof. It's not worth actually going after the individual. But that's why the Dominion suit is fascinating because they're going after Fox News, who we know has resources. Mm -hmm. And at least the documents that have been released, they have a case, which is incredible. So not only do they have a case where they may get a gazillion dollar, you know, judgment or verdict, but there's actually a party on the other end who who can pay it. 
Well, what's interesting is, number one, it doesn't matter with their viewers because they are not hearing about the suit on Fox News. As a matter of fact, uh, Howard Kurtz, who's the media reporter um, in reports about, you know, media um, on Fox News, and here's what he had to say about it. I'm not covering the Dominion voting machines lawsuit against Fox involving the unproven claims of election fraud in 2020. And it's absolutely a fair question. I believe I should be covering it. It's a major media story, given my role here at Fox. But the company has decided that as part of the organization being sued, I can't talk about it or write about it, at least for now. I strongly disagree with that decision. But as an employee, I have to abide by it. And if that changes, I'll let you know. What do you think of that? Look, I think it is all about damage control, and it is all about them not wanting to lose viewers, right? I mean, they've been part of the grift. They were part of knowing that if they kept pushing these lies, their viewers keep turning in, they keep getting money, they keep the sponsorships, all that kind of stuff. So, And they got caught up in it, right? And so while it is by no means a slam dunk, what I've seen, I mean, usually these things can get kind of thrown out, you know, summarily. This thing is not going to get thrown out, and the only way it doesn't get to a jury, I think, is if it gets settled beforehand. And it would probably be a pretty big settlement, because these transcripts are damning. Oh, they are. I mean, they all knew. I mean, the— They all knew, because they're all in on the grift, because that's the essence of everything having to do with Donald Trump at the end of the day. And with Tucker Carlson uh, anybody and Laura in, Ingram. Yes, and anybody in these Marjorie Taylor Greene, anybody involved— remotely, peripherally, candidates even running against some of these candidates. It's a big old grift. And there was a lot of people making a lot of money. And we have stuff locally, too. We'll remember that um, uh, the two election workers sued Giuliani for defamation, and he was just deposed last week in New York at Wilkie & Farr, which is a a big-time law firm. Oh, yeah, these are real lawyers. You know, he's going to get hit. I just feel like nothing happens to these people, you guys. There's just lawsuit after lawsuit. It, it ha- they, they have not been held accountable no. in the past, but I will tell you that that is going to change. And it is, it's a slow okay. burn. Legal-wise, it's a slow burn. But what's also interesting is you look at the quality of the attorneys who are representing these plaintiffs and you compare it to the quality of the attorneys representing some of the defendants Sydney Powell. Uh, it's pretty jarring. They're- uh, how are they so s- snowed by her? She she's just literally like like is she's like a a ding dong. Well, clearly in, they were in a snowed. leopard sweater. They, yeah, that's they, like, it's like Tucker Carlson. They, weren't, they snowed. weren't snowed. They knew exactly. Oh, well, I know, I know. But like, I just the, that whole thing. All, all it was is Trump was looking for somebody just to validate that's right. what he wanted validated because everybody else was telling him, "Mr. President, we're so sorry." And he's like, I'm next, next, until yep. he got to, to crazy number 20, who was willing to come in and do what he wanted. I mean, like, how exactly. did she get so far, right? How did she even get past the first level? Because they, they weren't— I ask he, myself about that about Trump every day. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're exactly well, right. And yeah. the people who would be vetting, when people did, like Jen just said, when people were vetting, they were like, mm, you might want to not go all in with this person. He was like, well— no, she's making a lot of sense because, you know, they're saying, oh, well, it's like his legal team down here. I mean, that whole, when he was trying to, you know, the Trump v. Kemp, it, there were a lot of people saying a lot of things and a lot of lawyers. And again, you look at the quality of the lawyers who are on both sides of this, and it's very telling. Okay, that's a good point. Well, while we're on the topic of lawyers, the day we're recording is the day after this um, Murdoch case, which everybody's talking about. 
Now, if you guys know me, I, was I like talking about this two years ago? Um, obsessed. <laughs> so I was like in super podcastville with this story like a long time ago. And people just have started learning about this. If you don't know, uh, watch the d- documentary on HB- HBO, watch the documentary on Netflix. This guy, these people, they ruled the town. They were the, what were they? They were the lawyers of the town, but they were the... Right, they they held every possible... They're like the solicitor. Solicitor, right. that's, the it. City. that's but, it. All of it, all of it. All right, I want to say something there. They, and I've, I've talked this with, with friends who are from South Carolina because they keep being referred to as like prominent South Carolina family. No, no, no. They home-cooked a couple counties. They were prominent in a couple of counties. This is a, no denying, this is a sordid, messy, awful, hot, disaster, tragedy. But they weren't actually like, if you're at, you know, like Uplands in South Carolina, if you're in Columbia, if you're in Greenville, if you're in Charleston, they're not actually a big deal, but they were a big deal down there. And it's, and it is like, there are a lot of home-cooked rural counties with big deal families like this. Very, very few of them ever face this kind of a reckoning. That sounds like that's the Republicans issue. and Democrats in Georgia, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they you were like, you know, so that's like, you know, when you, as you were learning about it, and there's there's a lot of levels to the story, not just the fact that he murdered his- Wife and child. Wife and child. But there was the housekeeper that allegedly fell down the stairs. The, the young girl who drowned. And the young girl that drowned. And then Ugh. also there was the guy that was found on the side of the road. If you watch all the, if you watch the documentaries, you'll learn I know, all it's this. It's bonkers. So anyway, the the jury came back in like two seconds and they were like, guilty, 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 guilty. I think it was a real mistake to let him testify. Yeah. I think he thought he was going to get up there and he was going to, you know, schmooze him because I think he's one of those people who's never been held accountable exactly. well, for anything. Like, no, exactly. They that, ran these counties. They were, they were like, if, if they walked into these little counties, and again, this is like, being a big deal in Bainbridge, you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> right. Yeah. Terry, don't. No, I'm not, but I'm just saying it's, they, they weren't, they didn't run South Carolina, but they ran those counties. No, and that can be really powerful. And especially for, for the people who live in these areas that kind of fell under their thumbs, well, right? And, right. And, well, and, and when you're, your son is murdered. involved in a drunken boating accident and someone dies and in that someone boating dies accident. And nothing happens to the son. Where he, or your the, housekeeper falls down the stairs. It, well, it, they said they she tripped over the dogs. That's like, and, it, and they're like, I mean, it's just such a crazy story. So anyway, we know it's like, all right, you're locked up forever. Throw away the key. Goodbye, goodbye. No more masters. No more college football. <laughs> Sorry, you're done, dude. Um, but listen to this great, like, closing statement from the judge. This is Judge Clifton Newman talking about um, just sort of the history of all this. And I, th- I found this really fascinating. I don't question at all the decision of the state not to pursue the death penalty. But as I sit here in this courtroom and look around the many um, portraits of judges and other court officials and reflect on the fact that over the past century, your family, including you, have been prosecuting people here in this courtroom and many have received the death penalty, probably for lesser conduct. Pretty deep, huh? Yep. 
and and on point. And I think it goes back to a lot of what we were talking about, even with um, Carter, the football player. Right. right? Yeah, that's right. The, it really, you know, you you shouldn't have different types of justice for different people. That that really the laws are the law, the rules are the rule, and especially when people are hurt. Um, people are killed or murdered. There, there has to be accountability. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now let's uh, wrap it up. Let's talk about. Um, this is a new segment, Jen. That, oh goodness! Because uh, you've been gone, and we're going to be wrapping up the show for now. This could change. Of something we're like super into this week. Uh, te- like something you're just excited about this week. And Terry, what are you excited about this week? I mean, I haven't had a whole lot of free time <laughs> the past few weeks, but I am into, we won't talk about this in detail, but I'm just like, I am into Joe Piazza's new podcast, She Wants More. And you'll have to Google it because I'm not going to get into the details right here, but it's fascinating. It is nothing, again, nothing. If you know what I'm talking about, it's a podcast about women having affairs. That's it. And again, I'm not having an affair. I have no plans to have an affair. I listen to murder podcasts. I'm not going to murder anybody, but it's really interesting. <laughs> And these women have a lot of energy and stamina I think and time. We should, we should have her on. Yes, I would love that. Uh, because, yeah, it's, it's, I'm listening to it too, and it's really, really good. Okay, Jen, what are you into this week? So for people who don't know me, I listen to murder mysteries or novels 24-7. Um, in fact, I checked Audible, and in the last couple of years, I've literally, since I've had an Audible account, I've spent literally six months of my life listening to books. Fabulous. So like all the time, right? I love it. And so, but this week, I, I fell onto this book just by chance and um, fascinating because it was, it popped up kind of in, in a murder context, um, but really, really compelling stuff. And it's called Mad Honey by Jody uh, Pico. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard about this one. And it is fascinating. I'm not going to tell you why it's fascinating. Oh, I'm going to download it. Yeah. Because if I tell you why it's fascinating, it completely ruins it. Okay, Mad um, Honey. Mad Honey. Okay. And okay. also, um, one, of the, one of the main characters talks a lot about honey and, and having bees and stuff, and that's really fascinating as well. But lots of, of talk about the role of women and um, honey and misogyny and all these really compelling kind of threads. And then there's this thing that happens, and it's like, whoa, I was not expecting that. So don't read, like, conclusion, reviews, anything. Just download it and listen to it, because it is really good. Okay, so while we're on that topic of great books, I'm going to recommend this book called The Push. Oh, yeah. And it's by Audrey Audrain, and I—somebody told me to read this book. I had no idea what it was about. And it, I read it and, or I listened to it because I do only Audible pretty much too. And I blazed through that in less than 48 hours. And I know Terry did too. I did. I did. I, I lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> it's going to, yeah. It's really, it's just so uncomfortable. It's gripping. It's original. And it's one of those stories that's so insane. I don't even think they could make it a series or a movie. Well, so the, it reminded me a little tiny bit. If you've read the book, this was several years ago, We Need to Talk About Kevin. And they did make that into mm-hmm. a series, which I didn't watch because the book made me so uncomfortable. And I was like, how are they going to do this? But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean. It's uncomfortable, yeah. but but it's it's really, really great. So I'm sure it's been optioned regardless. Well, she's coming out 
with another book, but I was just like, oh my God. It's good. It's, the push. It's yeah. the push. So there you All go. All right. I'm going to load it up. I've got my credit. All right. Okay, everybody. Thanks, Tina Loringer, for producing. And thank you for listening. Make sure you rate our podcast. If you could give us five stars and leave a comment, that would really help. Um, and we're going to keep on talking and keep these issues going. Tell a friend. Send us an email. Send us a tweet. If Elon Musk lets it through, we'll read it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>